Hello, and welcome to the Fisher Poetry Podcast, a showcase of prose, poetry, and song written and performed by those in the commercial fishing community. Mostly. I'm your host, Brad. Thanks for joining us today. Today's episode is from the 2023 Fisher Poetry Gathering in Astoria, Oregon. In this episode, you'll hear Fisher poet Elma Burnham of Bellingham, Washington, with introduction by Maggie Birch. Elma's performance was recorded at the Liberty Theater in Astoria, Oregon, on Friday, February 24th, 2023. So, without further ado, here's Maggie and Elma. And I have the honor of welcoming as our next poet, Alma Burnham, who we know as our MC from the first hour and a dear friend and fellow Fisher person of mine. Welcome, Alma. Thank you, Maggie. Thanks everyone for coming out, especially everyone that's never been to Fisher Poets before. It takes a brave soul to join us, and we're happy you're here. Um, I'm not sure what Maggie said, but Elma is my name, and I fish in Bristol Bay, and I'm joining today from Mount Vernon, Washington, where I live. I'm going to read a couple different things. This is newish. It's called Dead Man's Float. The deck boss is in the bunk, what we've started calling the sleep machine. We have pulled off our sticky, wet rain gear, crawled in the bunk, and woken up three times already today. The same sun that helped me get up the first time is still up, still blaring bright, though now on the other side of the river. On this third time, the two of us out on deck are now waiting earnestly with gusto and keen interest for our chance in the sleep machine. I am hopeful that the next time in the sleep machine will bring me into the next day, that when I wake up, I'll allow myself to imagine pulling off a one-pager calendar and changing the date, finally crossing July into August. I yearn for the sleep machine, but really my utmost desire at this moment is to lay in a dead man's float. Let's anchor up, drop the hook. My knees are sore from balancing and my feet are swollen and heavy in my boots. My wrists feel 10 times bigger than my elbows. I want to stop listening for orders from the flybridge and I want the boat to stop and I want the anchor to charge down to the bottom and I want it to find it and dig in and hold us float us. Also known as the survival float, the dead man's float maneuver is meant to allow for relaxation and rest in the water. I am ready for relaxation and rest. This season's swim is long and hard, and I am searching frantically for a way to buoy my body against the pace. U.S. Navy sailors perform the dead man's float to qualify as second-class swimmers during training at the Pearl Harbor-based search and rescue swimmers practice. Today, on the 33rd day of fishing and this 66th tide and this zillionth set, I am a soldier fisherman thinking about survival. Float with our mouth open and nose above the surface, anchor down and directed by the tide, hold us steady. 
I want to lay in the sleep machine like I'm floating in the so poorly named dead man's float just at the surface of the Atlantic, the saltier ocean of my childhood. I want to fill my lungs with air and lay fat, flat and listen to the clink clink of tide rushing past the aluminum, like your ears breaking in and out of the surface. The splash on the sleep machine soothes me to rest. Okay, I want to start this one with just saying that we absolutely need fewer guns in this country. This, thank you. Uh, however, once upon a time, I did uh, shoot a seagull and um, just to see if I could do it. And Mother Nature served me my karma right back. And that's what this is about. My story with the seagull is a long and windy one. It begins or ends the day I shot one with a gun. I took position from a floating skiff on the bow with lots of concentration that I quite regret now. I hit it that day, which I think is why it resides forever present in my mind's eye. As a child, I would watch them from the dock, never thinking one day I'd really want to kill one with a rock. As a fisherman, I didn't mind the seagull at first until learning that they really are the worst. I took it too far though that day, killing one for some sick version of play. For thus began the curse and my relationship with them has never been worse. I set my net the next day as one does in the wind and rain and big swell because it was open, it was time to fill our boats with gurry and slime. I was not prepared and knew it, ignoring at the first call of the watching gulls, I really blew it. Full of fish, my net went dry, quickly every salmon losing at least one eye. The seagulls crowded the net before I could repay them my debt, before I could apologize for killing one, in broad daylight with that awful, ugly gun. Today they know I'm sorry, I can tell, for I no longer yell when they beat us to fish and move to take their eyes with a quick squish. Like I said, my story with the seagull is a long and windy one. I'll never shoot one again, just for fun. I'll pay my dues and move my net, nod and wave in hopes to repay my debt. Thanks. This is another old one that I haven't read in a while. Um, it starts with, well, I hope everyone has read some Rachel Carson at one point or another. <laughs> if you haven't, it's in an extra tough zine and you should ask Mo about it. Um, oh yeah, and it's for sale at the Gear Shack. Featured, the zine Rachel's featured in. Um, so anyway, I'm gonna read something she wrote and then my response. This is from Under the Sea Wind. She writes, he sometimes thought about fish as he looked at them on deck or being iced down in the hold. What had the eyes of the mackerel seen? Things he'd never see, places he'd never go. He seldom put it into words, 
but it seemed to him incongruous that a creature that had made a go of life in the sea, that had run the gauntlet of the relentless enemies that he knew roved through that dimness his eyes could not penetrate, should at last come to death on the deck of a mackerel saner, slimy with fish gurry and slippery with scales. But after all, he was a fisherman and seldom had time to think such thoughts. Then this is me. Dear one, as you sway on deck, eyes down toward the icy hold, asking yourself, what had the eyes of the mackerel seen? I bounce around on my smaller skiff, eyes down towards the slushy fish bin, and ask myself, what had the eyes of the salmon seen? Where had they been? Where are they going? Really, though, what I would like to know is if these fish coming to death on my deck have raced by, hid from, felt those coming to death on yours. I worry not about geography and biology and the details that perhaps hold a true answer. Instead, I suspend my disbelief and believe my slight inkling that the related experiences of these fish, the incongruousness of their life in the sea, as you say, arriving at death here on this aluminum deck, is really not incongruous at all. Rather, the opposite. A shared experience in a harmony of dead fish eyeballs and young fishermen allowing a moment of pause in midst of swells and an arduous bloodbath. Perhaps these fish had seen the same, graced the same kelp bed, bumped against the same hull. I understand that the likelihood of my very sockeye brushing past your very mackerel is unlikely. I understand that this celebratory hall is also one of tragedy. I understand that our target species, like our days, are so very different. But I prefer to embrace these thoughts, these ones we seldom have time to think. In love and gurry, Elma. Thanks. Um, oh, I did that. Sorry, I turned the light off. Um, here we go with a new one, sort of, called Going Fast in the Dark. This is my last one. I am trying to write about that thing that happens when you go really fast in the dark, especially when the stereo is working and it is loud and the song is good, when the fish bins are empty and we can get on step, when the sky is clear and so briefly dark enough that there is no horizon. It is black, like that more fresh than brackish oyster pond I spent that one summer on, the one that looks bottomless if you can peer into it around the reflection of the blue sky. I do not get that, why the freshwater ponds can be dark as night and the ocean is all colors of blue. I'm trying to write about that thing that happens when you go really fast in the dark, trying to put some understanding to it, because I want to live more like that off the boat, off the tide schedule, just feel like that on a Monday morning. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I like to imagine you do. I like to think I could call you today and start so simply with something like, do you remember that time? 
and you would just smile and explain this, what I'm talking about, this going fast in the dark, maybe too fast in the dark, widening your stance to keep your balance and essentially jumping 18 inches at a time to keep it, maybe holding on and maybe not, trying to do the whole trip with your arms tucked into your rain pants because it is wet and cold. I like to imagine that all I have to do is start and that you will finish, that you will meet me halfway for once and be there with me in the memory. I am trying to write about that thing that happens when you go really fast in the dark, but I heard that the more we talk about and live in memory, the farther away it gets, more faded and more out of reach. I have heard that and smart people say that, but I could talk about this for a long time and here it would be still right in front of my face. Somebody probably tried to get this feeling, a memory like this, tattooed on them. What happens to the memory then? I'm trying to write about this thing that happens when you go really fast in the dark, when it is high tide or the channel is calm enough that you could really go forever, when your own blinky red light is the only one you can see. I'm trying to write about this because I know the trans kid in the bow really loves this feeling too. They are a cowboy or a cowgirl or cow them or cow person standing in the bow holding on to the line like it's a pair of reins. And I am driving, but they are in control, daring me to go faster and faster with gurry in their eyebrows and glitters of scales on their cheeks. I'm trying to write about this because I see them and they need more things to love. I'm trying to write about this thing that happens when you go really fast in the dark, especially when you are standing by the outboard facing backwards and the wake is singing you into some kind of trance. And if you're in the right part of the world at the right time of year, that blackness is interrupted with bright green phosphorescence. I'm trying to write about this because it doesn't seem fair to keep it just for me. I want to share it with whoever needs it, like coffee and donuts at Mug Up, something to take with on that Monday morning. I'm trying to write about this thing that happens when you go really fast in the dark, when you can say whatever you need to say into the wind and it's moving so fast that no one will hear it. Or you could sing it. It is dark enough and fast enough that you feel brave enough to say whatever you need to say and brave enough to put a hole in the boat and pull the plug and let all the gurry drain out. This is another backwards facing sort of trance that can only happen when you go really fast in the dark. I'm trying to write about this thing that happens when you go really fast in the dark because today is just a Monday morning. That's it, thank you. That was Elma Burnham, recorded at the Liberty Theater in Astoria, Oregon, on Friday, February 24th, 2023. Well, that's it. This one's in the tote. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is written and produced by Brad Wartman. The theme music for this episode is courtesy of Mark Allen Lovewell and Molly Canole. If you'd like to appear on or have comments about the show, please send an email to the Fisher Poetry Archive at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to haul the latest episodes into your net. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is available via our podcast host, Spotify, as well as Apple, Google, and Amazon. You can listen to our other podcast episodes, watch our YouTube videos, and join our community by going to thefisherpoetryarchive.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Come all young sailormen, listen to me. I'll sing you a song of the fish in the sea. Blow your winds westerly, 
We're bound to the southern, so steady she goes. 